Hello and welcome to the Place to Place podcast. I'm Claire Dewhurst, the director of City Nation Place, the forum for place brands and place marketing. The idea behind this podcast series is to create a chain of conversations between place branding leaders to give you the chance to listen in to honest conversations about their challenges and the solutions they're finding and the opportunities they're exploring to ensure that their place brand and their place marketing strategies deliver economic benefits. We're really thrilled that you've chosen to tune in and hope you enjoy the discussions. Welcome to episode three. I'm delighted to welcome back Shelley Watson from Auckland Unlimited. Welcome back, Shelley. And Shelley has asked us to invite along Asbjorn Overgaard Christensen, who is the Chief Executive of Copenhagen Capacity. Hi, Asbjorn. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. I know that Shelley sees many similarities between your cities, and she's particularly keen to chat about your success at attracting top talent and how Copenhagen's position on sustainability is proving to be such an asset. So I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Over to you, Shelley. Kia ora, Kia ora, Nice to meet you. It is. Thanks for getting together today to do this place-to-place podcast. I deliberately selected Copenhagen for Auckland Unlimited to talk to because I think without having ever been to Denmark, I think there are a lot of similarities between our countries and our capitals. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. I've got a few questions lined up. So if you're okay, we'll get going. Yes, I am. I certainly am. And I'm really honoured that you you picked this. I think it's really interesting. There's no doubt that uh, I think there are some good similarities between our two cities. So Tamaki Makara, Auckland, uh, has some focus sectors. And when I had a look at your focus sectors, which I understand you've recently redefined, yeah. they're quite similar. So could you perhaps talk to us about your focus sectors, why they're a priority and maybe an initiative within one of them that you're really proud of? Thank you. We, we have, uh, of course, um, redefined the sectors over the years, and we have recently sharpened them a little bit more. So we have basically like three overall sectors. It's life sciences, where Greater Copenhagen has a very stronghold within, uh, within especially the biotech uh, area. Microbiome area is another area that we, it's a more uh, selected area within uh, the whole life sciences sector where we have a crossover also to bioproduction and food ingredients. And that's an area where we still have quite quite a stronghold in the greater Copenhagen area. That's, of course, uh, actually you could say we have a biotech area cluster that's actually comparable to to the size of uh, what they have in Boston and other places. So it's it's quite uh, attractive and and a very strong uh, destination in in Europe for that. On top of that, we have tech digital areas where um, Denmark is a quite uh, digitized country, a place where you can do Almost everything on your phone. I just recently bought a house on my phone. You can do that actually by, by, by not doing anything else. Never have to print anything. Never have to go anywhere. Never have to mail anything. So, of course, uh, that gives a lot of opportunities for a company. You can do all your tax returns and everything on your phone. But it also gives opportunities for companies delivering services and products in this area and this field, of course. So it's a good test country also. Uh, we saw here with, uh, with COVID that yeah, suddenly we all had to work from home. And that actually could happen. We could work from home or our summer house or whatever. We did have the, the broadband connections and we did have the, all that. That actually worked quite well. Something that you maybe don't think about in the daily life, but when a situation like this hits, then uh, yeah, we, we certainly found out that it worked. The last sector is green transition. And of course, an area where, where Denmark and Copenhagen, especially, it's actually done quite a lot over the years. And we're now in the, in the midst of a really interesting transition of Copenhagen as the world's most sustainable capital, trying to reach that at least. 
We have a quite ambitious targets. And that's an area where we, where we actually have a lot of experience already. And we believe that we have some quite good solutions for, you could say, uh, urban design and, and cities and climate resilience, uh, where, where we, we, we actually can develop some solutions here that can work in another, a lot of other places in the world as well. Fabulous. And how is your brand helping you promote your focus sectors or attract businesses to them? Overall brand, the Greater Copenhagen brand has some strings to it. One of the things, the newest things that we're working with is uh, the world's most sustainable capital. That's more an inviting brand. It will be a new campaign where we will actually invite the world to come to Copenhagen, to join us, to develop the world's most sustainable capital and develop solutions that can make all the rest of the, the world actually go in this direction. So uh, I believe we have some good foundation laid out for that. And there could be some good opportunities where we can get inspired by others, but we can definitely also inspire others. And that gives good opportunities for both companies, for tourists, for business travelers, for researchers, for people pursuing a career to actually go to Copenhagen to do that. Sustainability is hugely important to our country, Aotearoa and region, Tamaki Makaurau. And I think when we last spoke, our first people, Māori, intergenerational thinking and sustainability is core to their their values and their worldview, which is called Tao Māori. So I just think that's a really exciting area that you, you're really well developed in that I can see our two regions being able to collaborate on and learn from one another more. That sounds really interesting. I really get very encouraged by the spiritual way of thinking about it. I think that's something that we maybe lack here in the, the cold Nordics, uh, but, uh, but I actually think we can really get inspired by that. Thank you. Now, when we last spoke too, you mentioned that on behalf of the whole country, you look after international student attraction and retention. And we have an international study team, and I'd love to know a bit more about you know, what you do to attract students, what benefits you offer them, and then how you try and keep them on shore once they've arrived so that your investment in them just doesn't walk away again. It is, it is actually, of course, a very interesting area because, I mean, we all work to actually attract the best talents in order to develop the best solutions, the best companies. I think there's a lot of, especially in the, in the tech area, in the STEM areas, we are all lacking these bright minds. Of course, we, we try to do the best with all the young Danes that we have, but we need to attract international talents as well. Also, because it, we, we can see that the companies flourish way better and um, get more uh, creative, more innovative, have higher exports when they actually have a more diversified staff. So, of course, we work a lot on that. We do actually campaigns together with the Danish universities online, where we target the international students. We also do uh, events uh, like physical events. It used to be. Now it's more uh, online events, of course. And uh, hope that one day we'll be able to go back to the MIT European Career Fair again and, and others. So we're doing things like that with a lot of partners in Denmark. But most importantly is actually that we work on retaining the students that are already here. So when foreigners come to Denmark to study, and I can see here there's a big difference between European citizens, EU citizens and non-EU. Because for European citizens, we actually have to offer the same conditions as we offer to Danes. That's the general rule here in the EU, which means that's totally free studies where we actually have there's a, like a kind of a salary, you could say, for, for studying of around 900 uh, euro a month. So it's quite attractive for EU citizens to, to come to Denmark to study because they actually have access to the same benefits. And of course, that's a challenge because many of them actually will just go back to their countries, uh, home countries again, after having studied. That creates some political tension sometimes about, okay, are we spending too much in actually educating other countries' students and then just letting them go? For non-EU students, they actually have to pay a tuition fee. It's not as high as many other places, but they have to pay a tuition fee. 
and they will of course not get these uh, the funding uh, other opportunities but it will still be attractive and we work a lot with special programs we have a young professionals in denmark program where we, we work with the students that are here very handheld actually trying to work help them to integrate in denmark as long as when they're here help to actually get relevant student jobs where they get into the danish work the labor market and we also work with case competitions with different challenges working for smes etc working to get inspired to go into danish startups working with different programs there and challenges with the students uh, and danish companies both to actually inspire the students to stay on in denmark and really uh, get hooked on the country in itself and not just the international student environment but actually the, the, the society in itself but also to work with the Danish companies, because of course, the, the larger global companies that we have here, they're used to it and they can handle a very diversified crowd. But small SMEs with a pure Danish setup, I mean, they would be, oh, we need to speak English and how do we do this? And, you know, of course, they all speak English, but maybe they don't really do it in their daily life. That's something that we work with to be able to create that uh, more international atmosphere in the companies even though it's a small setup. So that is actually quite interesting. And we see, uh, we see some companies that, are, that really go on, on journeys that they never expected. Hi, everyone. I'm just jumping in to let you know that if you're enjoying this conversation and would like to have more of them, our City Nation Place events offer you the opportunity to connect with place brand leaders from around the world. And if you're working for a place government, a DMO, an investment promotion or economic development team, you can also join our membership hub, CMP Connections, where you can join in with virtual roundtables and access exclusive content. You can find out more at citynationplace.com. Right now, let's get back to the podcast. I think that's fascinating. I really like what you had to say about the diversity of thought. One of our brand themes is about collective worlds because we have so many, embrace so many different ethnicities here. So totally relate to that. I feel like you're really well developed in terms of connecting your graduates into the business community. And um, I'm sure our team here could, again, collaborate in that area. Do you find that your brand work in the student space that there's more engagement. We tend to find that, that with our international students, they're quite a highly engaged group. They're very online. They get on board with the brand really readily compared to some other markets that we work with. So do you find that your students engage with your marketing more actively than some other segments? Are they more engaged online? Do they create content spontaneously that's on brand? We find that type of thing. I'm interested whether you do as well. We do find that it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see actually what we experienced here, especially during COVID, were times where we've all been forced to be online. For example, all our, all our talent attraction campaigns, which runs purely as digital campaigns normally, but combined with physical events. Those, of course, have all been laid up to um, online events from the specific campaigns around the world to the matchmaking events, to uh, to actually interviews, etc., and actually conducting the full journey from the first touch point until the final recruitment has actually all been done digitally here in the last year. And that has actually not been a problem, especially not for the students. That has been a challenge for some of the companies <laughs> to get more adjusted into that. But it actually worked out well. And after some time, it, I would say that some of these digital matchmaking sessions, after just figuring out with, with all the digital tools, then it actually works extremely well. And that, that's very interesting. And what we've also seen is that many of these case competitions, we've done hackathons where the students have been extremely active. And that has been very, very interesting to, uh, to follow also. So that, that's, that's something where we have uh, we've seen there's a lot of engagement from the students. And we've seen that it actually adds a lot of value to the companies as well. 
We even had investments, actually. We even had investments into Denmark from, uh, from startup companies that actually participated in some of these hackathons. Uh, and that developed into a contact to another company and to a university. And yeah, it ended up with an investment all during COVID. And, and the company had never actually set their foot in Denmark. Yeah, that was, that was a really cool case. So do you have a large number, about 46 municipalities, as I understand it, in Denmark? And when we last spoke, you were talking about the municipalities specialising and having industrial symbiosis, which was a phrase I hadn't heard here before. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a bit more about that, you know, what it is and the value it has to Copenhagen. Actually, in Denmark, we have uh, close to 100 municipalities in all, but around Copenhagen, we have 46 that we, uh, that we work with in the greater Copenhagen area. And then, of course, with 46 Lord Mayors and setups and different profiles, it can be quite challenging. But I would say that they've all committed very well to the, to the Greater Copenhagen thought and committing themselves to, to this brand and working together to attract international talent and investors to the region, also in, in the tourist space. When you're talking about industrial symbiosis, that's quite interesting because when we talk about green transition and tech, it's actually extremely combined. What we've seen is that more and more investors are actually looking, especially when we talk about the greenfield investments, that they're really looking into plugging into an energy infrastructure where they can actually ensure that their setup will be carbon neutral. If not right now, then along the road. And how do we actually ensure that? We, of course, have a lot of renewable wind power in Denmark. That's one of the greatest advantages of being a very windy country. But the problem is, of course, sometimes that, that how do we actually ensure this energy infrastructure? And how do we ensure that actually when you have a setup in Denmark, you actually not only can, can tap from that, but also utilize all the other aspects of an industrial production. And that's where we have created this industrial symbiosis, firstly developed in Kalumborg, which is a city located about an hour from the center of Copenhagen. And the idea has spread to other municipalities as well. For example, any production facilities actually have excess heat when they have the production. And very often, this heat is just laid out in the air. And what we found out now is to contain this heat and actually let it into our combined heat and power system, where we actually use that heat to heat all our houses. Because in Denmark, we have district heating and we need heating most of the year. That, that, that actually works very well, where we can actually use that excess heat and fed it into the district heating system. Then we have, for example, spillover waters can be used uh, from one production to another production. So we think very much in, okay, if, 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 if we have this type of company here, this type of company here, then what do we need next to that and actually to, to uh, complement this symbiosis? That planning we are doing very well with the, with the municipalities in itself. And it used to be only, you know, like in, in, in one municipality and just in, in a small uh, geographical area. But now we've developed it more into a larger geographical space also. And really think, uh, how can we, how can we utilize each other much better in this expand and actually become greener in, in that way? That's basically it in a very short way. I can see how this speaks to being the most sustainable capital in the world very strongly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a part of the setup. And I think the whole idea here is about the most sustainable capital in the world is very much about telling a lot of these stories, actually showcasing it, inviting people to come join us, but also to see and learn from some of these different uh, ways of doing things, but also to come and inspire us because there might as well be a lot of good ideas around the world that can actually be put into place here. And, and we're very open to function as a test society. So uh, in smart city area, for example, that's an area in the sustainable urban development. We've come a long way, but I think we, we can still come a longer way and, and we're still not there in, in, in terms of reaching our targets. 
We have very ambitious targets. Copenhagen has a target to become the world's first CO2 carbon neutral uh, capital by 2025. And that's very much just around the corner. And we're not there yet. We're really working on it. And the plans are there. I think we will reach it, but definitely we, we can still use new solutions uh, from around the world to ensure that we actually reach the targets. But we're also continuously looking for, for ways to improve. Interesting. Thank you. You mentioned a microbiome project as part of your life science sector. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? And does that perhaps play out in some municipalities more than others? It's actually a quite interesting project because what happened there was actually we had a report done with a survey on where would be the most interesting new areas for, for Greater Copenhagen be in the future. And they were looking into, it was like consultants, of course, looking into this, looking at our different strongholds and saying, okay, where would there be an opportunity? And the microbiome was mentioned in this report as one of the possible upcoming areas. And we were like, okay, a microbiome, that sounds interesting. Not sure exactly what it is. Let's look into it. <laughs> Talk to some experts and found out, okay, that's actually very interesting. And we actually do have some strongholds in that area. So we went out and tried to uncover the different companies and professors uh, working with this and found that there was actually some quite good opportunity here. We tried to set up a project with EU funding. We established actually this microbiome project with EU Interact funding. And it's a cross-border project between Denmark and Sweden. So it's covering the full Greater Copenhagen area. It's very interesting because, of course, as Copenhagen capacity, we have not ensured to have more microbiome research or production in the area so far. But what we have done is actually we've been able to map what is already here, the existing microbiome research and uh, production and companies working in this field. By uncovering and mapping this and actually gathering the people working in this, we've actually started on, on a journey that's very interesting because suddenly many of these people that worked less than 100 miles from each other, they never met before. And suddenly they found that they were actually working in the same space. And now we are actually seeing a, a lot of collaboration internally here. We've been able to see that, yes, when we mapped that compared to other places in the world, that we actually have a, quite a stronghold in this microbiome area. We really see some, some good prospects also, both in the food area and others. Now we're doing campaigns, of course, around the world to promote this and attract both investors and talents into this field. And it's still a quite new project. So, of course, we, had, we didn't have a lot of results yet, but we see a great interest. We just did a summit last week and we had around 1,000 participants from around the world. And I can tell you that's quite a lot for an area like microbiome because it's a very specialized area. It was a great success with this event, and we've seen a lot of interest, and there's a lot of leads now to follow up on. So uh, our team is in the life sciences sector. It's, uh, it's very busy now in following up on all these leads. Brilliant. I'm a bit of a science geek from way back, so I'm quite interested in that project. Thank you. Now, you may have heard this from your teams over time. When we first did our brand work, we had a lot of people say, well, that's the tourism brand. You can't use the same brand for business for investment and for students. But of course, the place does have one brand. So I'm just interested whether you've had those kind of questions about a business brand versus just the place brand and how you what your views are on it. Yeah, the Greater Copenhagen brand is very much a, a business and uh, an Thailand brand. As a tourist, you often don't go to Greater Copenhagen, you go to Copenhagen. So Greater Copenhagen is very much in the business side uh, of it. Uh, for tourism, we more talk about Denmark or Copenhagen. For world's most sustainable capital, it's a, it's a different thing. That's an area where, where we found each other and uh, working very closely with our good colleagues in wonderful Copenhagen. 
as the sister organization is called for the tourism side. Because as a tourist, you would very much like to go to the world's most sustainable capital. As a business traveler, you would do the same. As, as an investor, as a researcher, as a young person looking for a career as a company, that's actually a new brand where you could actually, we found ourselves, uh, or a sub-brand, you could say a tagline that we found ourselves on common ground. So. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, Esbjorn, I think we're out of time for this podcast. So thank you very much for talking to me for this next Place to Place episode. And I think Claire's going to wrap up for us. Kia Thanks so much, both of you. How great to discover such synergies between two cities who are over 17,500 kilometres apart. I looked it up. Thanks to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Do feel free to get in touch on claire at citynationplace.com if you've got any feedback or comments or questions or suggestions for these podcasts. And as Bjorn, we're looking forward to seeing you on our next episode of Place to Place, where we're going to have a city to country conversation, Copenhagen to Chile. And that is a distance of nearly 13,000 kilometres, apparently. So we're really giving you and our listeners a round-the-world trip. I look forward to seeing you and everybody on our next episode. Thank you.